The Stoic Jew podcast content for the month of May has been made possible by Dan Horowitz, who has graciously taken up my experimental request for an accountability sponsorship in hopes that this will result in more Stoic Jew content. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading will be from Seneca's letter number 53, but we're going to do something a little different than usual, which is to read the Torah sources and then supplement them with the Stoicism sources, because I think this will actually enhance both of them. The reading that we're going to do in the Torah sources is a few excerpts from the Rambam's Mishnah Torah, his code of law, from Hilchos Talmud Torah, the laws of Torah study, Perik Gimel, Halachos Vav through Tess, uh, that's chapter 3, laws 6 through 9. Now, the chapter 3 as a whole is about the Kesser Shel Torah, the crown of Torah, which is the Ramam's phrase for the highest level of Torah acquisition or scholarship. And Halakha Vav is where he begins telling you how to acquire that crown of Torah. Now, if you're interested in an in-depth analysis of these halachos, then you are welcome to check out my Rambam Bakius podcast, where we've been analyzing these halachos uh, at a leisurely pace for the last couple of weeks, and God willing, we'll be continuing to do for the next couple of weeks until we finish the parak. Uh, so I'm just going to read a few excerpts from here. Now, the Rambam is quoting statements of Chazal, of the sages, but since they're all gathered in one place in the Ramam, and since this is what I've been learning, then I would like to read them from the Ramam. Now, again, this is excerpts from those halachas. I'm not going to read every single one uh, because I, I'm only going to read the ones that are pertinent to the topic that Seneca is going to be talking about. Uh, he says, A person who whose heart lifts him to fulfill this mitzvah, the mitzvah of Torah study, as is proper to it, Vlios Muhtar Bekisra Torah and desire and, and to be crowned with the crown of Torah. Lo Yasiach Dato Lidvarimacherim. He should not distract his mind with other things. Vlo Yasim Al Libo Shayikne Torah im Haosher Vahakavot Kachad. And he should not attempt, literally he should not take it upon uh, upon his heart to acquire Torah along with wealth and honor as one. Kahu Darka Shal Torah, this is the way of Torah. Paspa Melach Tohal. Eat bread with salt. tishan. Sleep on the earth. And live a life of suffering. And in Torah you should toil. Um, so, first of all, I'm going to interrupt just with a little commentary here. So, uh, the, the, we said that the basic idea of this is that a person has a limited amount of energy. And again, I'm going to give like a very, very brief summary of what we said. Again, we I've given <laughs> multiple shirim on uh, multiple classes on each of these uh, each of these lines here, each of these uh, laws. So, the basic idea is that a, a regular person can be involved in Torah and in acquiring wealth, but if you really want to master Torah, then you you cannot be involved in both. If you try to get both, you're going to lose out on 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 both, right? So, if you really want to acquire Torah, you're going to have to compromise your acquisitions of wealth and honor. And when he says you should eat bread with salt and sleep on the earth and live a life of suffering, he doesn't mean you should do that. He means that you must be willing to do even that. Uh, and uh, that's not, uh, I'm not getting that from the Rambam himself. He unfortunately doesn't comment on that. That's a phrase from Pirkei Avos, uh, chapter six, which is not really part of Pirkei Avos, uh, Mishnah 4, and a lot of the commentators there say that. For example, the commentary uh, ascribed to Rashi says, 
This is not talking to the wealthy person saying that he should live a life of suffering in order to learn Torah. Rather, this is what he means. Even if a person only has bread with salt, etc. And he doesn't have a pillow uh, and cushions to sleep on, but but only the earth. Uh, Then he should not uh, refrain from involving himself in it. So, it means you must be willing to go even to that degree. You can't just say, oh, I, I'll learn Torah when I can live a, a cushy lifestyle, but, uh, but if I can't, then I'm going to, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to go and work. He's saying, no, 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 you have to make Torah your top priority. Okay. Uh, skipping. In Halakha Zion, he says, Shema Tomar, this is back to the Ramam, Shema Tomar, maybe a person will say, Aj ekabit mamon, v'echzor v'ekre. First, I'm going to wait till I accumulate money, and then I'll go back and I'll learn. Aj eknem mash uh, or he says, until I acquire what I need, and then I'll turn away from my business, and I'll go back to learning. If this thought occurs to you, to your heart, you will never merit the crown of Torah. Rather, you should make Torah, your Torah fixed or essential or permanent. Uh, or primary, and your work should be incidental, secondary, uh, auxiliary. The Al-Tomar, do not say, uh, don't say, when, I, uh, when I'm free, I'll learn. Maybe you will not be free. So the basic idea in this halacha is, this is not a person who's trying to do both simultaneously. He is, he, if you ask him, he, he's being pragmatic. He's saying, okay, I want to live a life where I can devote myself fully to Torah, but I obviously can't do that until I take care of my needs and make enough money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set aside X number of years, make all my money, and then I will retire and uh, uh, and learn Torah for the rest of my days. And the Ramam is saying, no, 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 don't try to take that. If you even have this thought, which uses the word machshava, uh, which does not mean thought like an idle thought, it means like a plan. If you are already in the planning stages of doing this, you're already lost. <laughs> it means you already have involved... Uh, have invested enough energy into this notion that you can acquire both Torah and money at the same time, uh, or this false notion that 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 everything will work out and uh, and you'll be able to to fulfill your plan. But things don't always work like that. Either your involvement in work, uh, you know, I, I've advised people uh, of this uh, who are in yeshiva, you know, who have said this. I've said, you know, you're right now you value learning, and you're saying that if I invest enough time in my career and then work really hard at it, then I'll make enough money so I can come back to learning. But the problem is, the problem in addition to not knowing whether you're going to succeed in making that money, I mean, there are expenses, there are disasters, things can happen. But let's say you even do make that money. If you're working for 10, 20, 30 years and not being involved in Torah, so by the time you get out of that, you might not be a person who values Torah anymore. You as a person will change, and uh, and 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 that might uh, prevent your plans from coming about the way that you wanted. So rather, you should make your Torah primary and your work incidental, which the Ramam in his commentary on Pirkei Avos in that Mishnah, I forgot where it is, I'm not going to look it up now, says uh, that your attitude should be such that uh, that Torah is your main area where you tap the values of success and failure, and with your work... You approach it practically, but if it if it comes together, then fine. And if not, not. Meaning that that you are not measuring your worth as a person, or your success, or your failure, or your triumphs, or your losses, or your goods and your bads in terms of your financial success, but rather in terms of your Torah success. So there are many people, for example, who uh, I'll just use an example with the students because that's pretty much who I work with. Is 
that if a student you know, has, uh, you know, uh, has a, a test to study for and a, a shear to attend, you know, or, or a chavrusa to attend. And, uh, they, they, let's say decide to attend the shear and then they get a less than ideal grade on their test. Then they get all bent out of shape versus if they say, Oh, okay, fine. So I didn't get the best grade, but like, at least I got to learn. That would be the proper attitude the Ramam is suggesting, but, but how many people will, We'll, we'll, we'll say it the other way around. We'll get 100% on their test, and then they'll say, oh, but I lost out on, on a quality chavrusa. I had to cancel my chavrusa, or I, uh, I couldn't invest my mind in my chavrusa. You know, if, you're, if you're measuring your success and your failure and your, your triumphs, uh, whatever, by, by, your, by your work or your, uh, your professional development and not by your Torah, then you're not, you're not in this uh, zone here. Uh, and again, that last point, when I, if you say, oh, I'll learn when I'm free, well, there are always, th always things that can take up your time. So you have to be kovea idim latori. You have to establish fixed times for Torah study. Okay, skipping a little bit more. Uh, he also says, uh, he quotes Chazal saying, Lo kol not everyone who involves himself in uh, in business becomes wise. And they commanded and said, you should minimize your, your involvement in business and in, involve yourself in Torah. Skipping some more. He he says that um, that that uh, Torah is only found with someone who is humble and lowly. Who who wallows in the dust of the feet of the sages. Uh, and removes from his heart the desires and uh, and and temporal pleasures. And uh, and does enough work to sustain him for uh, himself for a day. Uh, uh, if he doesn't have anything to eat, and the rest of his days and nights, he involves himself in Torah. Okay, again, you're getting the picture here, right? Uh, one more halach here. Again, this is a, he, you should really go through the whole parak, the whole chapter. Uh, but he also says, uh, uh, person, the words of Torah do not persist in a person who is lax uh, upon them, uh, nor in those who learn out of uh, uh, daintiness or opulence or luxury and eating and drinking. Rather, uh, they only persist in someone who kills himself over Torah and afflicts his body constantly and doesn't give sleep to his eyes or slumber to his eyelids, uh, which the Rambam uh, uh, says in chapter 4, or it's clear from chapter four of Hilchos Deus that you should get eight hours of sleep uh, or as much as your body needs. But then after that, you shouldn't indulge in sleep uh, for pleasure. Okay, so you get the picture. So the Ramam is, is, is talking about what you need to do to get the crown of Torah. Okay, now let's switch to Seneca because, again, we analyze these halakos in depth in the Ramam. And then a few days ago, I encountered this letter of Seneca. Uh, and... He talks about what you need in order to obtain the uh, what we'll call the crown of philosophy to to get the crown of stoicism. Okay, and uh, and this is what he says. Uh, he okay, actually, so let me, let me rev into this a little bit. So the letter begins with a uh, an account, <laughs> kind of an amusing account, where he basically went on a boat uh, at sea and got really seasick. And asked the 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 ship's captain to pull over, and the ship's captain said, "No, that's dangerous." So Seneca just jumped off the boat and swam to shore, which he said was a very bad idea. And he was getting over seasickness and uh, observing about how how the sicker you are physically, then the more you notice it. 
And then he says, with afflictions of the spirit, the worse a person is, the less he feels it. Okay, now he goes on. You needn't feel surprised, my dearest Lucilius, that's his student who he was writing to. A person sleeping lightly perceives impressions in his dreams and is sometimes even aware during sleep that he is asleep, whereas a heavy slumber blots out even dreams and plunges the mind too deep for consciousness of self. Why does no one admit his failings? Because he's still deep in them. It's the person who is awakened who recounts his dream and acknowledges one's failing, sorry, and acknowledging one's failings is a sign of health. So let us rouse ourselves so that we may be able to demonstrate our errors. Okay, now here, here he comes into the part that corresponds to the crown of Torah. But only philosophy will wake us. Only philosophy will shake us out of that heavy sleep. Devote yourself entirely to her. You're worthy of her. She's worthy of you. Fall into each other's arms. Say a firm, plain no to every other occupation. There's no excuse for pursuing philosophy merely in moments when occasion allows. If you were sick, you would take a rest from attending to your personal affairs and drop your practice in the courts. And during a spell of improvement in your condition, you wouldn't look on any client as being so important that you'd undertake his case in court. No, you devote your entire attention to recovering from your illness in the quickest time possible. Well then, aren't you going to do the same in these circumstances? Away with every obstacle and leave yourself free to acquire a sound mind. No one ever attains this if he's busy with other things. Philosophy wields an authority of her own. She doesn't just accept time, she grants one it. She's not something one takes up in odd moments. She's an active, full-time mistress, ever-present and demanding. When some state or other offered Alexander a part of its territory and half of all its property, he told them that he hadn't come to Asia with the intention of accepting whatever they cared to give him, but of letting them keep whatever he chose to leave them. Philosophy, likewise, tells all other occupations. It's not my intention to accept whatever time is left over from you. You shall have instead what I reject. Give your whole mind to her. Sit at her side and pay her constant court, and an enormous gap will widen between yourself and other men. You'll end up far in advance of all mankind and not far behind the gods themselves. Would you like to know what the actual difference between yourself and the gods will be? They will exist for longer. And yet to me, what an, in, what an indisputable mark it is of a great artist to have captured everything in a tiny compass. A wise man has as much scope before him as a god with all eternity in front of him. There's one thing, too, in which the wise man actually surpasses any god. A god has nature to thank for his immunity from fear, while the wise man can thank his own efforts for this. Look at that for an achievement to have all the frailty of a human being and all the freedom from care of a god. Philosophy's power to blunt all the blows of circumstance is beyond belief. Never a missile lodges in her. She has strong, impenetrable defenses. Some blows she breaks with the force of parrying them with the slack of her gown as if they were trivial. Others she flings off and hurls back at the sender. <laughs> okay, beautiful, poetic uh, Seneca writing there. And uh, I don't have much to add to what he said, but uh, I just was struck, stricken? I don't know. I, I, it struck me <laughs> how how how, uh, uh, how how shared the themes are of the Rambam and Chazal in what a person must do to attain the crown of Torah, and what Seneca is saying if you want to really attain mastery in philosophy. Uh, and and it is it's also interesting that Seneca uses the the metaphor of a woman. Uh, specifically a mistress, which corresponds to Shlomo HaMelech in Mishle, talking about, not a mistress, but about the uh, a wife, about the Aishas Chayel, about the woman of valor, who Rashi, among other commentators, says is a, a parable for Torah, and how, uh, and, and, you know, he uses that same, uh, that same muscle, that same uh, uh, analogy. 
So again, this is more of a of a you know rhetorical reinforcement of the ideas that both Seneca and Ramam and Chazal have developed elsewhere. But I thought it was a really really nice uh, a nice supplement to what we were learning in our Ramam Kiyoshir, and I wanted to share it with you. That is it for today's episode. Uh, remember, uh, if you have questions for Q and A then please send them my way. And I thank those of you who have sent me questions so far. I will try to take them up when I find answers. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I was going to say one more thing about stoicism. What was it? I don't remember. I guess I'll remember later, hopefully. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss and my Zell and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewis.gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.